Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, it's time. It's Sunday. It's our new episode of Guitar Talk right here. JimmyWarrenOfficial.com. That's right. We had to add a new day. You know what? It's like we've got so many people to bring on the show, and we've got a bunch of you listening. So, you know, what do we do? We got to expand. So today is our very first Sunday episode of Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Now, this month on Sundays, I'm focusing on uh, gear, equipment, builders, uh, techs, recording people, stuff like that. And so uh, I wanted to bring something really cool that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of, a product or company that I feel that you need to know, and that is Zex Coil Pickups. Uh, Scott Lawing has Lawing uh, Musical Products. Uh, he is an innovator when it comes to uh, to pickups for sure. I learned about Scott through Andy Fuchs of Fuchs Amplifiers. Uh, Andy brags about, you know, having those pickups in all his guitars and raves about them. And so, of course, then I start looking into them because Andy's somebody you listen to when he says something. And I started looking into it and I discovered, wow, this, these are some, you know, really innovative pickups. So I thought, what better than to have the guy that came up with the idea and created them who uses them, and there's a lot of other great people that do as well. So let's just uh, sit him down, you know, get him, you know, all excited about talking about his products and uh, and that. But you know what? He's a player, too. Here's the cool thing is that this guy just doesn't make, you know, equipment. He's a player. So we're going to talk about his playing quite a bit, and we're going to talk about his pickups, of course, and what's going on with the whole company and and all that good stuff. So, as I always say, sit down, strap yourself in, make sure you got a cool beverage or a warm beverage these days. You know, who knows? Maybe you're putting bourbon in your tea if you are. Hey, good for you, man. And so, uh, you're going to enjoy this. So, uh, here we go. This is Scott Lawing of Zex Coil Pickups. And I've been looking forward to this because people that, you know, that I know and associated with online you know just rant and rave about your pickups and so uh you know i've i've actually i can't even tell you how many times i almost ordered some in that and then i don't know what came up and i didn't because i know i need pickups so you know i'm probably going to do it but uh well there's always time yeah (laughs) yeah but i don't want to just talk about the pickups i want to talk about you for a little bit because uh part of the you know, process of this podcast is, you know, hopefully to, to spark something in, in players to want to play more or want to dive deeper or maybe for people that don't play at all to maybe pick up the instrument. And so sometimes it's good to talk about how we got started and what our influences are and what was that driving force, you know, that led us down the path that we are. And I know you're a player because I've seen you play online and you're actually pretty good so uh well, thank you i thought i'd step back and say when did this whole journey start you know when did you start playing the guitar what was what was it that influenced you you know and drove you down that path 
Yeah, well, I mean, I was a player long before I was really even into gear significantly, and certainly way before I thought about making pickups. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I started when I was about, uh, I think I was 15. I was definitely too young to drive because I got, I got my first job dishwashing just to get enough money to buy a guitar. And then, um, you know, it's a long story, but I went into a full slide of like two days worth of dishes one day, and I just said, I got enough money for a guitar, I don't need this, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was, uh, what was that? I think my first guitar was a uh, Guild S60D, cool. I think. Um, and, um, yeah, it was um, a couple specific things. I remember... Hearing the, I remember the solo to um, uh, Baker Street, oh. which struck me a lot. You know, I mean, like I was already kind of starting to get into it, but I heard that and I was like, I want to, I want to be able to play that. Wasn't that the Jerry you know? Rafferty tune? Yeah, yeah, it's that one. <laughs> it's got like these crazy, you know, soulful yeah. bends in it. And that, that's that's kind of my style, you know. Like I, what I'm the. What I'm doing right now mainly is a uh, Gilmore uh, uh, Floyd tribute. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, just those big slow bends and you know nailing the nailing the intonation and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's my wheelhouse, really. You know, I mean, I'm not like a shredder, but yeah, you know, I can I can pour some feeling into a note. You know, <laughs> that's that's kind of what I can do. But um, yeah, it was, you know, Kiss. Ace Braley had a lot to do with it, too. I got Kiss Destroyer was the first thing that was really like, oh, what is this? You know? Yeah. Just kind of started getting into it. Yeah. So so did you uh, did you study at all? I mean, did you take lessons, or are you pretty much self-taught? I'm pretty much self-taught. I took a couple of lessons, and then the guy stopped giving them for some reason. I don't know if it had anything to do with me, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, and it, it was harder back then because yeah. you didn't have, you didn't have, it was a mystery, you know? I mean, like, the first time we heard Van Halen, we were like, what? Is that a guitar? Is it, is that really, is that a guitar? Or right. is there something else going on, you know? But you just, yeah, you had to figure it out. So I, I, yeah, spent a lot of time uh, picking stuff apart by ear and, you know, which is ultimately good for you, I think. It's, it's harder, but yeah, I think it makes you a better. You know, certainly a better listener, which is most of what it's about, I think, you know, is, is listening, especially, you know, what I do now is, is basically tribute stuff, yeah. um, which, you know, is fantastic for me because that's, that's what I like to do is pick stuff apart and, you know, break it down and, and build it back up, build your own version of it back up after you understand how it all went together, you yeah. know? So did you play in a bunch of bands when you were, when you were young? Um... Kind of fooled around, um, you know. I started in high school. I wasn't that good. That I a little bit of jamming with guys in college, and then when I got out of college, um, I uh, wait. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta. Are, are you recording this right now? Yeah, but that's okay. I edited it. Don't worry. Okay. Um, all right. Well, they're probably fun. There's a my dog is out at the fence, but he loves he loves this little girl. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> we, you know, we try to even isolate the dog because there's uh, we we actually had some COVID on the cul-de-sac, the street next to us. Oh. Apparently, down there had it. But um, anyway, yeah. So um, 
What was I? What was I saying? I lost my train. You were talking about uh, being in bands when you were young. Yeah, so I was, you know, high school kind of fooled around a little bit. My brother was a drummer, you know, so we used to play. We'd like bang out Bastille Day in the basement and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, but nothing serious. A um, couple of minor things. Yeah, nothing really serious. I remember one. Actually, I remember the night. John Lennon got shot. It was like, we might have like got together with this this guy like two or three times, like trying to get something started. And it was like one of the more serious things I tried to get started. But I remember specifically, we were rehearsing the night. And I think we were trying to play Ticket to Ride, actually. Um, you know, before we knew. And then we found out later. And it was like, wow, that's, that's where. Um <laughs> But, you know, through college, I was mostly concentrating on on school. I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer. Um, so, actually, I have a, I have a PhD in uh, chemical engineering. So, I ultimately went back and went the whole way. But um, when I got out of undergrad, um, you know, I started getting more serious. And I was in some bands with my brother. Um, and then uh, that was probably five years or so, we were knocking around in uh, Rhode Island. I grew up in Narragansett, Rhode Island, which actually has a pretty hopping music scene. Uh, still does, it seems, um, really, but they had a pretty cool blues. There was a really good blues bar. Um, there was another club, Ocean Mist, that was a couple couple towns over that was uh, another, like, beach bar. Um, but, so, yeah, pretty good music scene, and... Um, we were playing some of those clubs, you know, we weren't really blues. We were kind of, we didn't know what we were, which was one of the problems. You know, I didn't really figure out kind of what I really liked to do until later. But um, did that, and I went to, uh, finally I decided to go back to grad school and um, ultimately ended up going up to uh, Boston. Uh, MIT, I was at Bo- in Boston for five years. So when I was up there, I had an original band. And, you know, the stuff I was doing with my brother and these other guys was kind of hybrid. You know, you'd end up doing like half a night of originals and half a night of covers, you know. And, mm-hmm. and you know, people were, you know, people were receptive. My brother actually had some pretty good success. Uh, next band, or a couple bands after I moved up to Boston, he was uh, he was pretty close to doing something big in this one band. But um, anyway, I went up to Boston. I got this original thing going. And, um, you know, we kind of, we had a couple of, um, last, the last thing I did is I entered us in uh, the Ticketmaster music search. This was like, nine, probably like 94, 93, 94. And we actually broke up even before I got anything back from that, because we had, you know, we had this gig we were really looking forward to, and it ended up sucking, and it was just like, <laughs> why we, you know? And so we broke it up, and then I got this thing back. We got into this, the you know, basically the Boston regionals of this Ticketmaster thing that was like 10,000, you know, 10,000 bands enter this battle of the bands, and they pick like 200. And we were one of the 200, you know, one of like uh, six or so in Boston that they picked. So we got back together to do that, and that was like the only thing we did. But, you know, it was kind of cool having then somebody say, you know, this stuff's pretty good. Right. You guys should do this thing. You know, we got a little stamp of validation. Actually, and, uh, uh, a woman that I was in school with at that point had a friend that had something to do with the real world. He was like, you know... A&R or whatever, so I actually signed the release forms 
to have uh, one of my songs used on the real world. But they actually, and it was a song called Over Now, and they ended up using another song called Over Now by a band you might know called Aerosmith. So <laughs> Aerosmith stole my slot in the real world. Ah, uh, bastard! And that was uh, that was like the end of my uh, the end of my original bad heyday. And actually, after that, I kind of put it down while I was finishing up. I mean, the last couple of years of school, I just didn't have time to do anything. But school, as I was, you know, writing up and all that. So yeah. So did I you- didn't really do much for a while. I, I was in uh, when I got out of school. I moved to Arizona. And I was out there for 10 years in Phoenix. I was in a cover band out there that was, you know, we were pretty good. And we had some shows, but it wasn't, it wasn't real serious. Um, and then I got back here after I'd been in Delaware. Uh, I've been in Delaware for about 12 years now. A couple of years after I moved back here, I ended up hooking up with these, you know, just totally getting into the, the part of the local scene, just. By answering a Craigslist ad, basically, I ended up hooking up with these guys. I mean, it took it took a while for it to get going, but after we got going, I mean, it's like, you know, these guys are totally hooked into the scene. So I just like piggybacked right on that. I mean, you know, I could play, right? So I was serving a purpose, but you know, I mean, you can knock you can knock around for years in a new town and just never, you know, never yeah. find anything. You know, so that was that was really cool. So yeah, I mean, the time I've been in Delaware has really been my you know, my, my most uh, fruitful musical period. I started, we, the first thing we did was, uh, in fact, I just posted a video on Facebook today of, uh, in my time of dying, we did uh, physical graffiti wall-to-wall with, you know, a little encore set. And then um, we did like a series, about every year we do a different uh, different tribute. The second year we did Queen, actually, with a full choir. For the second set, the first set we had eight background singers, and the, the, the second set we had like twenty-five, you know, twenty-five person choir behind us. So that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I saw the video. Um, I saw the video. The slide plating was pretty good. Oh, and my time at Dying Cole. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, you know, I, I like slide. I, I try to. I, I've actually picked up uh, lap steel. Oh yeah. The last couple of years for or originally for. Uh, for the first time I did Pink Floyd was with these same guys we did Zeppelin with, but I'm, kind of, I'm in a you know, full-time Floyd thing too now. So. Yeah, and then I actually did, uh, there's a couple of lap steel or pedal steel things where we're planning a uh, Elton John tribute. So it's kind of adapting, trying to adapt some of that to, to uh, lap steel. Yeah. We did uh, We did a pretty, we actually posted this, uh, you know, while the quarantine was on, we did uh, Tiny Dancer kind of, you know, all of us in isolation, just doing the parts and throwing it together. That, that came out pretty well. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I, you know, I, I've always wanted to to get into lap steel. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I put a post out maybe about a month ago that I was considering buying one because I'm a huge David Gilmore fan. Huge. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? How can you play guitar and not be? <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, and that's one, that's one of the things I love most about him is his, you know, his lap steel playing. You know, yeah, he's awesome. Well, that's yeah. you know, I mean, again, that's what got me into it. I actually put one together. Um, so I, I got a body from uh, Moral, and uh, just you know, a couple pieces of hardware from them. But I had some tuners lying around, and I made work and put one of my pickups in it. You know, I mean, lap steels are pretty straightforward. There's not a lot to. 
Yeah. Screw up. You, know, you don't have to worry about uh, neck angle or, you know, it's just a slab of wood with strings on it, basically. Yeah. So when you were in all those different bands over a period of time, probably not in your younger days, but at what point, you know, or was there a point where you started kind of messing with the electronic aspect of it, or did that come, you know, much later on? Well, you know, I always kind of felt like, uh, you know, I'm a chemical engineer. I always kind of felt like I should have been an electrical engineer, and I would have kind of done it naturally. But, um, you know, um, it was actually in Phoenix. I had the basement. We had an old house in downtown Phoenix, which is pretty rare. Um, but there's still, you know, there's a couple of enclaves of older, like, original construction down there. We had a partial basement, which I had as a music room. But all the wiring running over my head was knob and tube. Yeah. You know, the old separated wiring. And that's, that's the worst. I mean, when you separate the conductors like that, it just broadcasts 60-cycle hum, you know. So mm. that basement space was so noisy. I mean, even humbuckers made a riot. There's, I, I never played single coils down there because you just, you just couldn't play them. Yeah. So that got me thinking, you know, and I was thinking I'd been working for a few years at that point, And, you know, I worked before I went back to school. And, you know, I was kind of like, I'd like to be doing something for myself and started thinking about, you know, how I could maybe combine um, music and, and, you know, engineering. Right. And initially I was actually thinking about making tubes because I, I did a lot of vacuum, you know, high vacuum work in grad school and, I didn't know specifically about making tubes, but I knew like everything you had to know to to actually make a tube, you know? Yeah. So, but then you get into it, it's dirty and, you know, that's one reason they don't do it here anymore. You probably have a hard time getting permitted to do it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, and it was, it was, it was pretty complex to get into. It's not something you could do in your garage, really. Yeah. I would so, think so, you know, I had a noisy basement. I was like, well, you know, how about, Noiseless pickup. So I had a I had a Fender uh, Deluxe Tele with a, you know vintage noiseless in it, and you know they they were pretty flat. You know, yeah. I was like, got to be a better way than this. So I started out like one of my my boundary condition was well if I'm going to do it I'm going to do something different. You know, because I could see all you know I was fully into the gear scene by then, right? I actually I I got back into like the internet based gear scene looking for old Takais. I love old Takais. So that's kind of what got me into like forums, and then I got into the gear page, and you know, different different places. So I was already kind of in that online community, and um, you know, aware of just all these Me Too guys making knockoff humbuckers and strap pickups. So I was like, well, I don't want to do that. You know, there's plenty of people doing that. So I was going to do something different, and what I started working on was was one coil for string. You know, as a way where you get you add them up and hump cancel, and it it just kind of evolved. I mean, the biggest the biggest engineering problem, well, actually the the biggest kind of hump canceling problem, the way I do it is making making the opposed coils work. So you have you know somewhere you got to have a seam, right? If you got six coils in line, mm-hmm. there's going to be a north south transition between at least two of those coils, you know, and that turns out being the best way to do it because that north-south transition kills you because you have a dead spot in between the strings. So the reason, you know, the reason these coils look like they do kind of slanted like that is, is you're kind of sliding 
one set of coils against the other to, to try to close that gap up more magnetically. And that, that's kind of what makes the, makes the system work where you get, you know, you get good hem canceling without any kind of, uh, artifacts with, with bending, especially. But that's the big, like, if you look at like something like a Novak Kelly bridge pickup, that's just like three, you know, three poles on one coil and three poles on the other. That, that can't work in the neck because if you bend a string into that, gap between those two coils you won't get any you know you'll get a severe drop in signal to the point that you know i mean some people say they hear like even even drops between normal pole pieces right i mean if if you can hear that you would that's a non-starter for pretty much anybody who you know bends a string or even picks hard yeah so so when was um wasn't it in the round? Uh, I, I thought I read somewhere around 2009, 2010 when you started your company? Yeah, so I started fooling around with the design for uh, like 2008, probably 2007. Mm-hmm. 2007. And um, we started, yeah, it was 2011, I think, when we really. I'd have to go back and look what year it was that I totally cut the cord. But basically, yeah, we kind of turned that on. I was with um, Dow, it was, at that point, which was kind of another factor driving it. You know, I kind of find myself doing working for companies I, I didn't really want to be working for. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, I think it was 2011. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. It was definitely 2011 because it was actually right when the first Zeppelin show was forming up too. So it all, you know, it's kind of like everything changed for me like at that one, one, uh, one point. Yeah. So but, yeah. So we've been doing it since then, and I've kind of actually come back full circle on the whole like, you know, what do you want to do with your life thing? Because I mean, we're still you know doing pickups, and you know, obviously we're we're serious about it, but. Tell you, man, it's it's hard to break into this industry. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I think we look good. You look at us. You go to our website. It's like, yeah, well, they're real. You know, that's legit. And but you know, I'm not making a living on pickups. Yeah. You know, I, I I actually got back into you know the same the same stuff that I did uh, with Dow before, but I got back you know kind of got back in on my own terms. You know, with my own company basically yeah so that's 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 what pays the rent you know and even even actually i was i was still half time with another uh company doing you know chemical engineering kind of stuff even in the interim but uh so i kind of always had an engineering gig going on the side and you know after a couple of years it just became clear that you know i mean it's either you, you yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how much money you have to pump into it to really get it going, but I, it's more than it's more than I'm willing to spend <laughs> on my own to do it. You know, so we're you know we're kind of on a slow burn. I mean, you know, we're we're doing things, we're doing new things, and you know, yeah. But it's just if if it takes off, it takes off. I I, I still think it might, and it, you know, it should because I think it's some of the some of the best stuff you can get. You know, but um, it's also a weird industry in that there's a lot of there's a lot of you know they call it not invented here syndrome. You know, where every company's kind of like their own little silo, and they don't like to take stuff from the outside, especially pickups. You know, I mean, Paul Reed Smith's not going to put my pickup in his guitar. Yeah, you know, 
he's going to think up his own because that's who he is, you know. And I mean, Fender, Fender's not going to take it outside. Pick up. Oh, well, they have in the past. I mean, they've, you know, they did stuff with Bill Lawrence and right. that kind of stuff. But right. they, you know, they seem to they seem to be pretty insular at this point. But you know, I'd love to do something like that. If anybody if anybody hears this, want to give me a call? Yeah, you know, there's there's actually, you know, well, the, I think I think the boat that you're in is the boat that uh, there's a lot of people in. You know, whether they're making amps or pedals or, you know, or guitars or whatever. And, and sometimes I wonder, it's like, well, how come, you know, like this person doesn't team up with that person because, you know, that would, you know, maybe help out the whole situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, you know we're yeah. always looking for ways we can work, you know, with people. And, you know, we've done some, we, you know, like we, we work with uh, Carl Harvey, who's a guitar player for Toots and the Maytals. But he, you know, he's come out with his own line of guitars. It's the, the Rastacasta. So he's got this reggae-themed, you know, guitar, red, gold, and uh, green guitar. And we, you know, kind of custom-did the, the colors for the covers for him. And, you know, we do, we do custom custom wines, custom voicings for, for specifically what he wants, especially in the bridge. He's got some really specific um, mm-hmm. ideas about what he wants tonally. And, you know, we can do that kind of stuff, which is the other half of the engineering problem that I didn't get to. Um, you know, we, so we've got this this one call for string thing that's obviously different just looking at it and, you know, kind of cool. But the, the coolest thing is actually what's going on Inside of the coil. So I, I do a lot with, uh, you know, basically pole piece engineering, you know, metallurgy, alloy engineering, and, well, laminations, too, basically. It's about uh, a combination of material properties and lamination thickness, basically, to, to, to tailor the, the response. Yeah. Up, so, so answer me this. You know... Uh... You know, people that might be listening to this podcast, you know, most people are, oh, they're usually in one camp or the other. And what I mean by that is they're either Fender people or they're Gibson people or they're Ibanez people or whatever. And we know that typically with all those, you know, guitars, there's really the, the same same uh, name brand, if you will, uh, pickups going in. You know, you got EMGs, you got DiMaggio's, you got Seymour Duncan's, and then, of course, Fender's got their Fender pickups and so forth like that. And so if a guy is is a S-model-type guitar player, you know, a Strat player, that likes single-coil pickups, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a fan, personally, I'm not a fan of Fender pickups. I'm not a fan of, like, their Texas-style pickups and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's good on some stuff. Some of the older like the 57 Strat that I have, you know, the pickups that are on that are amazing, and that guitar sounds, you know, like a Strat to me, but I'm not a big fan of those pickups, you know. And I was endorsed by EMG for years when I was playing, you know, out on the road and stuff like that. And I was always, I always liked that, but, you know, the older I get and the more I'm into this, the more I realize, you know, there's, yeah, that's it's, it's everything's so cookie cutter. So my question is, what makes Zex coil, you know, the single coil strat type pickups that you have different from what's already out there, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether it's the Fenders or the, you know, Seymour Duncans or whatever? Well, because of what I can do with the pole piece 
technology, you know, I can one fingerprint what other pickups are doing, and I can then kind of mimic that within my my framework, basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, people, if if you look at the the, the you know you you go on go on the internet and Google how how does a pickup work. And you'll see a picture of a guitar pickup with a magnetic field around it with a string kind of dragging the magnetic field around, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's what you'll see. And that's not, that's not actually how it works. And it's, it's, it's subtle, but it's, it's kind of critical to realizing how important that pole piece is. The, the way it really works is the string becomes a magnet in the field of the pickup. So the pickup really doesn't have to have a magnet at all. The string has to be magnetized. And the easiest way to do it is to shoot a beam of magnetism up towards it through the pole piece, which is what you do, right? Whether it's Alnico, which is a magnet itself, which just shoots up and magnetizes it, or you have a magnet feeding a piece of steel that, that you know, concentrates it and shoots it up towards the string. So you magnetize the string by directing a magnetic field at it. But once that happens, you hit the string, the string starts moving. The string is just a magnet moving in the vicinity of a coil. So you can think of it, the string is like broadcasting this this magnetic signal and it just go it goes through the pole piece, which, you know, sits in the middle of the coil and concentrates that signal, but it's the way that signal gets, you know, in effect filtered as it goes through that pole piece material that gives the tone kind of its character. And the thing that makes strap pickups sound, you know, crisp, you know, maybe is a nice way of putting it. If you don't mm-hmm. like it, you might call it sharp, mm-hmm. you know, or kind of caustic is because the signal doesn't really get messed with much at all. It gets kind of softened a little bit, but it basically goes through pretty purely and comes in, you know, nice and crystalline like it went, like it came out of the string. It's not, you know, it's not really compressed. It's it's peaky, you know, it's high Q, basically. Physically is what it is. Um, and then on the other side, so that's Alnico, Alnico 5 especially, which is the cleanest, which people know because they can hear it, right? But that's it's also how the physics work. On the other side is steel, which totally messes with the with with the, the field. So basically, and, and physically, what happens is it's eddy currents in the in the materials themselves that are doing this. So in Alnico, there's really not much of an eddy current effect. So there's nothing pushing back. You know, the magnetic field just goes straight through. In steel, it's actually you know it's kind of counterintuitive because it it once Steel is very permeable, which means it sucks a lot of field into itself, right? But at the same time, there's this massive eddy current effect that's trying to push the field out. So it ends up, you know, they call it the skin effect. It ends up all going in the skin. And when that happens, you know, associated with all that stuff going on physically is kind of an attenuation of the signal, a lowering of the cue. Um, you know, there's some other things physically that go on, but it's all about, you know, it's really, there's a continuum of this stuff too, right? And the funny thing is, is, is people, you know, people talk about single coils and humbuckers, 
what they really should be talking about is Alnico pole pickups and steel pole pickups because they're kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So to get back to answering your question in an extremely long-winded way, what I can do <laughs> that is I think nobody else can really do is I understand that full spectrum, and I can I can dial in anywhere along that spectrum. Yeah, I, I, what I know, what I notice is it seems like, like because uh, I, I don't know the technical aspects of pickups. You know, I'm going to admit it. I I really don't. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a genius. I'm not a guy that pulls my guitar apart. You know, when it comes to and rewires things, and I don't do that. I take it to somebody else. I know what I like. You know, when it sound the way it sounds or the way that it reacts and stuff like that. But I'm not an engineer yeah. or anything like that. But I, I know what I, I know what I like. But one of the things I notice about your pickup is just by just by looking at it, it looks like the the pickup is designed to 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 work with the individual string as opposed with. If this doesn't sound corny, you know the 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 guitar as a whole. Does that make sense? Does that, does that make sense? Well, because uh, the way that it the way that it's you got those little. You know, the way that it looks like it's coiled, it looks like that it's set up to pick up. You can almost you can almost change what you're picking up on each individual string. Yeah, you can. Okay. And, you know, I definitely do that. I, I don't actually do much with kind of mixing different kinds of pole pieces in the same pickup because, you know, you don't have to, basically. You can, you can do the same thing without doing that. Um, but certainly, you know, just because of what I do with hum canceling, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on between the D and the G string, you know, where the magnet, where the polarity flips. Yeah. So, you know, what I have to do, that D string is way, way hotter than anything around it to, to sound normal, you know? So it's like, you know, one, you can, you can adjust each string individually, and two, you kind of have to to make it sound right, Yeah. you know? So I've always had been having to play around with, you know, string-to-string balance. And, you know, actually the tribucker doesn't have these uh, dead spot problems. So, you know, it's more of a linear output kind of stagger string-to-string. But it's still, you know, what I, what I do when I'm, when I'm designing a new pickup is I'll do a lot of um, really critical listening. So I'll go, like, straight into a, a USB box with headphones, you know, just like totally clean with headphones on sitting, you know, at a, at a, at a desktop recording kind of thing. And, you know, the shortest cable I can get and just to hear exactly what that pickup's doing. And, you know, basically I'll, I'll listen and I'll record and look at the waveforms and try to get the output right. You know, and if you do that with a normal pickup, it's not, you know, if you really critique output balance on any pickup, you're gonna you're gonna hear things you don't like, you know. And that's so. What I do is when I'm designing in that stage, I I set kind of a relative stagger, and it turns out, you know, the way I design, you have to just get the proportions right, and then you can kind of move it around, you know. So yeah, with that, you know, I end up having really good models for for output and voicings and stuff like that. Once I get a platform dialed in, I can like take it pretty much anywhere I want, at least within, within the limits of what it is, you know? Yeah. So you have, if I'm correct, uh, the dual core, the tribucker, 
and the Z series. Is that correct? Um, well, we have the original ones are the Legacies, the one with the, the slots. Yeah. That's the original. And then the Zs, um, you know, were really designed, um, you know, a couple things. I mean, the Legacies, we kind of underpriced them when we came out. And, you know, we had to, we just couldn't survive the way those things were priced. And we wanted to have something at that kind of price point. So I basically redesigned the whole thing to make it as simple as I possibly could from a manufacturing standpoint, but still do what we want in a pickup. And actually, it turns out simplifying the design actually in a lot of ways makes it a, makes it a better pickup. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a better engineered pickup from a, from a loss standpoint, at least anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's cheaper to get out the door. And we also went with a model where, you know, the least expensive stuff that we, that we have the Z core series, uh, I don't even make. So I have the guy who winds the coils. I've always had the coils wound for us by a guy up in Connecticut. And now uh, he, he puts the Z course together. We just get them and, and uh, pot them when we know what color people want. Yeah. So, you know, and that allows us to, to hit up competitive, you know, those Z core fives are competitive with, you know, DiMarzio's or Duncan's or whoever else is noiseless. Um, you know, I think we could get them in a fender for a good price fender. If you're listening, <laughs> um, no, but anybody, right? That's that was part yeah. of that model is we wanted to, you know. Yeah. So we're we're actually positioned to be able to uh, to jump on something like that. I mean, if somebody called me and said, "Hey, I got a thousand guitars," and I'd be, "Hey, when do you need them?" You know. Yeah. But uh, so we got Z cores, and then there's also you know there's kind of Z versions of just about everything, but they're not all Z cores. Z cores are the ones in the factory, and the Z series is. Kind of, you know, anything Z. And then um, the newest are the, yeah, the, the dual core, which is effectively a humbucker size, standard humbucker size. Uh, we use just blank covers with uh, no holes, but it's a standard, uh, uh, you know, vintage size uh, cover. Mm. And it's basically got effectively two Zex coils under a humbucker cover. Which you know you could you could combine you could run individually or you can combine in uh, series or even parallel if you wanted to. Yeah. And the tribucker is the first kind of you know model line out of that dual core idea. And the tribucker is basically a PAF humbucker beside a, a kind of vintage output single coil. Yeah. And when you combine those two, you get something that's kind of a lot like a like a hot P90 kind of feel and, and output. Wow, that'd be nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's, I love them, man. I'm all my... Well, if you were talking about are you a, are you a Strat or a humbucker guy, I'm kind of both. It really depends on the project. Yeah. yeah. So doing tribute stuff, you know, I'm kind of kind of have to be a chameleon and I kind of actually enjoy being a chameleon, you know? Yeah. So like Floyd, it's all Strats and I just did a tall truck project. That was mostly Les Paul. I played a Strat on uh, Farm on the Freeway. That was it. Everything else was Les Paul and acoustic too, a lot, a little bit. Now the the Les Pauls that I saw in your video of the Zeppelin thing, it looked like it, the pickup uh, it, it it fit the you know the humbuck humbucking position. Oh yeah, well like that was that, that's old. That was twenty twelve, I think. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, actually, that was very early. Um, it looked so cool. that was basically a, a uh, juicy bucker and a throaty bucker strap pickup, just in a in a mounting plate to I fit know. in a in a Les Paul you know Les Paul mount. Yeah. But I, yeah, if I did that show today, I'd be playing tribuckers all the way, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So have you thought about, you know, since you mentioned other products, you ever thought about maybe wiring harnesses? We do uh, loaded guards for strats. Um, we do, you know, assembled sets um, for what I'd really like to do is actually I'd like to get some kind of quick disconnect kind of thing going because, yeah. you know, that could be enabling for a lot of people. I think people that are afraid to solder, you know, and it's, you know, it's not trivial. It's not, like, insurmountable once you get into it, but you need some equipment. I mean, if you have a crappy soldering iron, you're going to do crappy soldering jobs, you know? Yeah. So you got to spend some money for decent iron and, and, you know, do a little bit of understanding, you know. In fact, I have I have two irons on my, on my bench, one with a big chisel tip for doing the backs of pots and then, you know, another pencil tip for doing, doing finer stuff. So, you know, I mean... If you're set up to do it, it, it gets to the point where it's almost trivial. But yeah, there's a there's a setup. But yeah, I, w- I would love to get some kind of you know, or even if somebody else standardized something that made sense, I would I would adopt it. Yeah, but I was it'd be nice to you know, especially you get the split wiring kind of stuff gets gets kind of hairy. Yeah, I was you know? I was endorsed by a company in New York, uh, a guy that made a guitar. His brand was Nikita. Uh-huh. And at one point in time, he partnered with uh, Jason, I think it was Jason Dillon in North Carolina, in uh, South Carolina. And Jason had his own pickups called Dillon Pickups. And then he uh-huh. par- and he partnered with uh, Jimmy, I think, Soto in the Jersey Shore Guitar Garage. I'm okay. familiar with them in New Jersey. And they, no, and they did uh, wiring harnesses. The reason I'm mentioning it was because the guy created... I, I I have it on one of my SGs. It's a 21 push push position uh, wiring. I mean, I can't. I don't even understand it. I can't even figure it out because it's so. It's really kind of complicated, you know. And it gets you all these out of phase uh, settings and stuff like that. But uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is because when I put it on the guitar, when I had it put on the guitar. Oh my God! I mean, it just it just changed everything. You know what I mean? I wasn't I didn't well, I wasn't a fan of the SG to begin with, you know, really. But I mean, it just uh, it just so many options. You know what I mean? Became yeah, yeah. Well, and it's you know we we do actually we do some pretty flexible uh, sets. I mean, our, our signature set, like our kind of standard signature set. And either the assembled or, you know, loaded guard configuration has, I think it's like, it's at least like 17 different possible combinations. And then, you know, the blend is like a spectrum, the way we do the blend. I don't use the detent pot. I use the, just a no-load. So the blend, you know, you get a whole spectrum from 100% to 50-50, you know? Yeah. So you can do it. so it's really flexible, and th- this would be the signature set, which is you know basically two two splittable humbuckers with something more single coily in the middle. 
So you got all those, you know, all those combinations with the blend too that gives you the neck bridge combo. So, you know, you can get any combination of split and or, you know, normal mode on each pickup. And then the tribuckers too, actually, the best way to run the tribuckers and the, the wiring is actually extremely simple is using on, off, on toggle. Yeah. Which if you get a deep, if you get a DPDT, you can actually gang both pickups on a single toggle. So you can have a toggle that takes the whole guitar from, Single coil, the PAF to P90 mode with, with one switch, basically. Yeah, that's really cool. Or you can do them independently. But, you know, I personally, I find that, you know, especially on stage, because the last thing you want to be thinking about on stage is, is my guitar in the right place. You know, you want to know where it is. <laughs> right. And it was actually that Queen project. You know, I, I did a, I, uh, you know, whenever I do these projects, I, I make a point of, of Taylor and the tone, you know, and Queen was, Queen was fun because I had to, you know, figure out how to get Brian May out of his x rig. But uh, initially, I put the full switching in it, you know, so I had out-of-phase on every pickup and, you know. Yeah. And I found it's every once in a while, I'd be like, why does that sound so thin? You know, I'd be like, oh, shit, that's out-of-phase. That should be, you know. So there was like this one out-of-phase that I just never used and I didn't need. And, in fact, sometimes I would hit it by accident. And I wouldn't realize it was on until it was too late, you know. And it's like I'm just taking that out, yeah, because I don't need it, you know. So for me, it's it's only the switching that you need, and then anything else is, you know, it's just it's it's a potential source of of uh, stage panic, really, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of that's the you don't want that feeling where you're like, crap, that's not my tune. You know? <laughs> Well, I tell you what, it was uh, it was Andy Fooch who uh, was the one that turned me on to your pickups. Uh, he's he's an advocate of yours, definitely. You know, he talks about them all the time, and uh, his rig sounds great. Yeah, Andy's uh, Andy's a good friend of ours. We used to yeah. share space with him at shows, and um, yeah, he helped us out a lot, especially early on. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, helped just getting you into the loops, you know. Yeah. Which again, I mean, that's like how you do break into this industry, you know. And that was that was our biggest problem was. Yeah. I knew nobody, you know. I had a good idea, or I thought I had a good idea, and I I didn't know how to get it out there. In fact, the first guy I had a guy a guy I used to work with at, at uh, Dow, even before it was before it was Dow. Um, he had a guy that put in his patio that used to be a roadie for Aerosmith or something. You know, it was one of those kind of things. And I got that guy to come over and he's like, yeah, they're right. You know, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't call anybody for me. So I was kind of like, ah, what the, who are you? you know? And then it was actually, uh, Steve Kimmock. I ended up hooking up with, um, I think I met him on a forum and then, you know, I got into a, private messaging thing with him when we end up talking on the phone, but he, he actually gave me a lot of encouragement, you know, even like kind of pre before we were even out that, you know, gave me, gave me the confidence that I was, I was on to say, you know, he said something like, you know, I was, I've been involved in some early stage things and I know when people are on to something, you're definitely on to something. You yeah. know, so I was like, all right, yeah. I'm on to something. See, come on, said I'm on to something, you know, so <laughs> that was like, but, you know, it, it, you need that stuff, especially because, you know, I didn't know what was. I was just this bright-eyed 
you know, I mean, I wasn't a kid, but just, you know, kind of. Right. That was my mindset, you know. Right. Well, I you, hadn't gotten kicked around by the music industry yet. Yeah, well, it'll kick you around, that's for sure. Do you know Robbie Hall? Um, I'm not sure. I don't. That doesn't ring a bell. Who, who is he? he? He's the guy who created and owns the company that makes Ethos pedals. Oh, no, I don't. The reason I bring him up is because he's an engineer, too. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh, a lot of guys, especially pedals, I think a lot of yeah. guys are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he, he does it, you know, full time, you know, at all. Uh -huh. He has people that, that work for him and stuff, but he... Took, you know, he had, I don't know, he had a dumble for a long time and he was able to, his pedals are amazing. I mean, just really, really huh. amazing. But I bring it up just because he, you know, he's a, you know, maybe somebody you ought to connect with in that because he's a, he's an engineer as well. He's a guy that knows an awful lot and, you know, and uh, sure. had to struggle through this whole thing himself. And so. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, anybody, again, that's kind of like, you know, like with Andy and, and you yeah. know, Carl and. That's the biggest thing. You just, you know, you kind of forge these relationships and, you know, also figure out which one's not to get into or to get out of. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of that in this industry, too, you know. But, yeah. yeah, it's like you find the good people and, you know, keep them close and keep them happy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, I mean, ultimately... Um, I mean, again, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. We're not, you know, we're not, uh, we're not dependent on this to make a living. Um, I mean, if it really started to take off, it would be fantastic. But um, we're doing what we're doing, you know. I think we've, I, you know, I feel like technically I've, I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, you know, and I'm still doing things. Not like I'm done, but no. you know, we got good stuff. We're kind of, we're, we're. We're, we're ready if anything comes at us, and if it doesn't, you know what? I mean, I, I like the engineering stuff I do, too, you know? I mean, I, I wouldn't do that if I didn't like it, because I, I, don't, I don't have to, necessarily, you know? Yeah. So. Well, uh, you know, like I said. You know, so, it's all good, as they say. I mean, it's, it's not, really, but that part of it is, at least. <laughs> well, everybody speaks highly of your pickups. I know the, the stuff that I've heard. You know, uh, being played with them sounds amazing. You know, the videos you have on your website at uh, Lawing Musical Pro uh, Products, is th those sound amazing, too. And, um, you know, like I said, I've had many people come to me and say, hey, have you tried these pickups? What do you know about these pickups in that? And uh, so that was one of the reasons I wanted to get you on because they're kind of new to me, too, you know, even though I've heard of them. And people have been talking about them, you know. There's several. You should try some. Yeah, well, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm definitely going to. You know, uh, I was. Uh, I got a strat that I'd really like to put some in, and that. So. Well, uh, and if you know, if what you want is a strat that kind of does what a strat does, but you don't like all the high endiness. I mean, that's that's one of my specialties, actually. Yeah. In fact, we were doing that before we really nailed the real vintage thing, which we really didn't nail until the Z-Core stuff came out. Yeah. I mean, our, you know, our bread and butter Strat stuff was actually pretty hot as Strat pickups go. I mean, almost, almost like PAF hot. They still sound very Stratty, but, you know, they're definitely not 
They're definitely not vintage vintage strap pickups. They, yeah, they're kind of strap pickups for people who don't like strap pickups. <laughs> you know? That's me. <laughs> I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, You know, they're, they're, they're okay, and they have their place. I'm not a guy that just plugs into an amp. You know what I mean? I, don't get me wrong, I do that. You know, but I'm not that guy. You know, I, I, I like a lot of the things, and you know, and sometimes those pickups just don't work. But, uh, but I appreciate you know, Scott. I appreciate you coming on and talking to us about your pickups and letting us know. Um, you know, one of the things that I, that I'd like to do. We're in the process of building a brand new website for uh, uh, the podcast. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have. You know, the old show, you know, I had, you know, Richie Kotzen and Steve Lukather and Larry McCar- uh, Larry Carlton and a lot of guys like that. And we're scheduled right now to have Orianti and Kurt Fletcher and Kenny Wayne Shepard and a bunch of different people, uh, Matt Schofield's coming on. And um, and so what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is I'd like to put a couple of your videos on, uh, on our website, you know, so when people sure. come to it and that, you know, they can... Uh, you know, check it out. I, I want to do a page that's got some of the equipment, you know, as well. And sure, yeah. So I'd like people to know a little bit more about your pickups, you know. Or maybe even, uh, well, we've got good stuff. Um, Anthony Stauffer from uh, Texas Blues Alley has done a lot of uh, lot of good stuff using our pickups. And uh, Camilo uh, Valadia, who's a uh, guy from um, Florida. I think he's in Miami. Um but he plays with a he plays with a bunch of people. He plays with Julio Iglesias for one. Well, that's probably his biggest gig. But um, yeah. he does fantastic stuff. I don't know if you've seen any of his videos. I think we have. We definitely have them linked on our YouTube page. Yeah, yeah, I've seen um, But uh, he's yeah, he's a great player. And that, you know, that's he's one of those guys. I think I think we just met him at Nam. I think wasn't he with somebody at Nam, honey? Originally, Camillo. <laughs> How did we meet Camillo at Nam? I think it was. There was through a you know, it was one of those loop kind of things, and he was like, "Hey, can I play this?" Like, "Wow, this is great!" You know, he's yeah, you know, you know, he's like part of our, he's part of the family, you know. Yeah, that's cool. You need but, guys like uh, that for sure. Yeah, I love you know, and they, these guys like he's one of those guys. There, there's a there's a video uh, playlist from Nam like. The second second year we had him in our booth at Nam, I think um, it might have been, but you know, it definitely wasn't the first time that we'd met him. But he just came in and he sat down and he just went on this stream of consciousness thing for like twenty, close to twenty minutes. Just he never never stopped and he never played the same thing for more than a minute. And it was all like kind of fluid and. And I was just like, I watched the whole thing. I was like, holy crap. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I can play guitar, you know. I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can mimic somebody else playing guitar, really, is, is kind of what I do well, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you see guys like that, and it's just like, I, I have no illusions about where I sit on the spectrum of, of guitar talent, you know. I mean, there's so many guys. Oh, yeah. That are just so good, you know, and, and most people never see them, you know, which is another thing you realize being in this industry is some of the best players you see, nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, exactly. You know? 
Yeah, exactly. And there's so many of them out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had some guys on the podcast like that, you know, just remarkable players that are kind of in the background, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, well, you know, the big names are good too. Matt yeah. Schofield's got uh, he's got a set of sex golf. Oh, does he? That he likes. Yeah. That's cool. Um, he's a good player. But uh, Kenny Wayne, well, Kenny Wayne, I, I knew a guy that actually was teching for Kenny Wayne at yeah. one point. But, um, yeah. yeah, you know, that's it. That's it. You just kind of, you build up. And, you know, and that's kind of where we are now, isn't it? We're just kind of growing organically. You know, you make connections. You, you just kind of, you know, it just, just kind of builds up. And, um you know, yeah. with the with the changes we did with the going from the legacy to the Z series, I think we helped it hick up a little bit. Yeah, commercially because it always guitar players. You know, the the buying cycle, like you said it yourself. I've looked at your site like a couple times, and just you know, that's yeah. like everybody who ever picked up a guitar. They're gonna spit on this for two years before they pull the trigger on something. <laughs> you know. So when your ad goes yeah. up, you may not see anything. Then guy's going to be sitting on the toilet reading that same ad for like two freaking years before he buys a pickup. Right, know? but you know, you know what happens. I mean, but you know what happens though, Scott, is you get a guy like you know, like me, because there's a lot of players like me that they'll do that. You're exactly right; they'll do that. But once they try it, and then once they put it in, and if it's something that they're just you know they absolutely oh, yeah. love, that they won't go. They won't go for anything else. You know. No, we get a lot of that too. Like, yeah, uh, yeah I think you, you know Pete Sickler. Yeah, he's got he's he, he's done that over the last couple months. Actually, yeah. he keeps coming back. He's like, I'll take another set for this. I'll take another set for that. You know. <laughs> so yeah, you know, Andy, Andy's Andy's kind of like I mean, Andy uses other stuff, but he, you know, he yeah. uses. I'm pretty sure I, you know most most of the builds I see him do, and I, I'm 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 involved in. Yeah, and you know it's it's oh. weird because it was that way with me with his amps. I was actually yeah. I was oh in- well I finally broke down and got a Fuchs actually just before Christmas this year. Yeah, and I you know, then I was like, what have I been waiting for? But you know, I mean, I was kind of I was kind of happy with what I had. But one of my uh, one of my uh, Zinky Blue Velvet, which was kind of serving my small combo need, started screwing up, and you know, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna finally buy one of Andy's amps and now it's you know it's always on stage with me if I'm on stage that yeah I run in stereo with something else in Floyd but you know if it's only one amp it's gonna be that yeah I started out with one and I have three now you know when it comes to his amps you know I had one now I got three I was that way with Mesa Boogie you know I had a Mark II to begin with you know I think I got five Mesa Boogies now yeah, and uh, amps. I kind of buy what I need. I'd actually yeah. like to have some smaller stuff. I, the only complaint I have, and you know, I got a twenty-one thing. It's just so damn loud. It's, I, I had to yeah. get a uh, attenuator in the loop just so I could adjust the volume knob because I just couldn't. I yeah. didn't have any control. <laughs> I was running at like point seven. You know. Yeah. No. I so I had to get an attenuator just so I could get that knob up to like four. Yeah, you know that was I uh, recently. Well, not recently. Within the last year, uh, Boogie came out with a. Um, uh, it's called the Fillmore, 
It, uh-huh. it, it yeah, was, she knows. It's based. She knows what I mean. Had while I was on the toilet, actually. Yeah, it's it's based <laughs> it's based off of the uh, the old basement. It's a a dual channel amp, but both channels are exact same. And uh, huh. I just bought the twenty five watt head, and I absolutely I mean I absolutely love it. I you know on my new EP that I recorded with Walter Trout's band, I. I uh, used it in the studio, you know, religiously. I didn't use anything else but it. I absolutely love it, you know. I don't. I, I use Andy's amps when I play live. I'm like you, you know. I either have the one of the overdrives or the uh, the full house, you know, when I play out. But um, but I just fell in love with that amp. It's a great amp. But I I've moved away myself to smaller. You know, low wattage stuff, you know, 5 watt, 7 watt, 20 watt, you know, whatever. Well, I'll tell you, one thing I love about the Blackjack 21 is it's light. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad at all. It's really light. And, yeah, I, well, I was playing a uh, uh, Zinke uh, um, Superfly yeah. 212. I mean, literally, the thing weighs 100 pounds. Yeah. I mean, it's it's oh. it's just too much. Oh, so you got the combo? See, I just got the heads. Well, no, I got yeah, I got the combo, the blackjack twenty one. I got the combo, uh, yeah, the one by twelve. Yeah. Um, I tell you what's heavy got, is that you know, warehouse, that, that damn Ignator uh, Tourmaster. Oh, uh-huh. my, oh my god, it's a great amp. I mean, it's abs- it's amazing amp, but it weighs like you know, it feels like a thousand pounds. I mean, I don't take it out yeah. of the basement no more. Yeah, no, that's yeah, and that's uh, you know all my all my rehearsal spaces are down a flight of stairs, you know. It's like uh, yeah, yeah. Who who wants? Uh, to, so you got to get a quilter, right? You get a yeah, yeah. Quilter. Well, that's Carl. Carl Harvey uses quilters, you know. Whenever yeah. he's got a fly gig, he's, he's you know. Yep. I mean, I he probably uses them for even when he doesn't have to. He likes them. Yeah, I good, good I carry the, I carry a tone block in a in a backpack whenever I do gigs, just in case, huh. you know. Not bad. They they even sound almost tube like, you know. They sound pretty yeah. close. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing. Tech, see, technology. That's it. He's an engineer too. The Coulter guy. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, Scott, okay. I I really appreciate you coming on and and talking to me about your pickups and that. So there you go, Scott Lawing, Zex Coil pickups. You got to check them out. Uh, LawingMusicalProducts.com is where you want to go. You can just Google it. Go to YouTube. I'm going to actually post some of these videos on my Facebook and Instagram and some other places and that so you can check them out because uh, you definitely want to, all right? Now, if you're a player and you're considering, you know, pickups, because there's so many options, you know, for guitarists now, and you got to kind of cut through the noise and get right to the ones that are, you know, going to give you the best the best sound and uh, give you exactly what you need. And I think you're going to get a kick out of these X-Coil pickups. So I want to thank Scott Long for coming on the program. I want to thank him for taking the, the time out of his day to chat about some senseless stuff and then, of course, some important stuff when it comes to what he's doing there is X-Coil pickups and them. Okay, so hey, just so you know, coming up this next week, we got two shows again, Wednesday and Sunday. This Wednesday, next Wednesday, I've got Nick Corleone, who is uh, an incredible jazz guitar player from Chicago. You know, if you if you're into contemporary jazz and smooth jazz, you're really gonna like this guy. 
I mean, he had one album that at one point in time, every song went to number one on the Billboard charts. Crazy. Yeah, he's he's a great great player in that. So uh so Nick is going to be on the program this Wednesday. The following uh week after that, we've got uh an interesting cat, Ken Haas of Reverend Guitars. He is the CEO and president of Reverend Guitars. He is a guitar nut like me. So uh I had a great time talking to Ken. So we're going to be talking about all things Reverend Guitars. All things. That's right. That's a great brand of guitars. I own a Volcano. In case you don't know what that is, that's one of their V's. It's a it's a really nice guitar. I'm uh, very happy with it. So uh, I, you know, a lot of great players are using Reverend guitars. So we're gonna have Ken Haas on the show. Remember too, you know, you can always support us. Uh, there's a link on Jimmy Warren Official and GuitarTalkOfficial.com on the podcast page where you can support us uh, weekly or monthly or however you'd like to. Uh, any kind of support would be appreciated, just so you know. I don't do this show for money. I don't I don't make anything off of this. I do it because I absolutely love it, and uh, I love talking to people about all things guitar. So, you know, please support the show. Make sure you're going to all the social sites, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and following me personally, Jimmy Warren. Uh, go to my website, Jimmy Warren Official and Guitar Talk Official, and subscribe to the email list so that you can find out what's going on all the time. And don't forget to check out my EP that I recorded with Johnny Grapark, the bass player for Slash and Richie Kotzen, and Michael Leisure, who is the drummer for uh, Walter Trump. We did an EP last year. It's actually, uh, we've released some singles. I've released some singles. Um, so I just had one release on the 6th. So, uh, you know, check it out. You can get it anywhere where digital music is.